I'm Lloyd Freeman, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. As part of a company's diversity efforts, there are a number of myths around how D&I and hiring intersect. Do we hire simply because someone is a woman? Simply because someone is a person of color? When do we cross the line into a quota system? How do we keep the process fair and equitable? And what does that even mean? But I can tell you that infusing good DNI practices into your hiring, it is a good thing and a best practice even. Today, I'm joined by Sharika Ekpo. She's Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Anaplan. And she's gonna help us demystify this process and debunk some of those myths. Sharika, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Lloyd. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm excited about this conversation because I love the fact that we're both uh, in this work. And so I really do feel like we're going to be able to shed a ton of light uh, on this, uh, this topic for our listeners. So the buzzword here is intentionality. And as you and I both know, if any organization out there has someone in my role, someone in Sharika's uh, role, or any other DNI professional, then you've heard this word, right? But maybe you don't understand it. And so I think, Sharika, it's good for us to kind of set the table and define what is intentionality in hiring? Uh, what does this mean? And why has the phrase spawned so many misconceptions? Intentionality in hiring means to have a plan. It means to understand what gaps you have in your organization and to devise a plan to add not only diversity, but also difference to your workforce. At Anaplan, we think about diverse perspectives and diversity of thought as one of the ways that we can add value to our workforce. However, we also know that having diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds are important, as well as gender diversity, age diversity, veteran status, and persons with disability. So when I think about being intentional about hiring, I think about setting a plan for our organization to follow, as well as measuring the results of that plan. I think uh, intentionality is definitely something that has become more popular over the past few years, given the social um, reckoning and the concentration on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Not only have you seen more chief diversity officer positions uh, pop up over time, you've also seen more executives focus on the actual workforce. But what I will tell you is not only must you be intentional in hiring, you also must be equally as in, uh, equally as focused on retaining the talent. Because if you hire the talent, but don't have an inclusive culture where people feel like they can belong and share their ideas, then what will simply happen is you will have employees who come and stay for less than 12 months and move on. And as an HR professional, we all know that hiring costs are high. And so we need to not only focus on intentionally hiring people from different backgrounds, but retaining that talent so that we can actually get the best outcome for our teams. Not only are we missing opportunity, but the end game here is we're looking at our results, right? And so if we're trying to be results driven, results oriented here, then the process has to be examined. And so we have to break that down. And like you said, be uh, more than just um, uh, purposeful and thoughtful uh, in, our, in our actions, but we actually have to have some kind of a plan. I mean, you actually have to have a strategy. I don't know if everyone knew that. You have to have a strategy around how you're going to increase your diversity in the workplace. So I feel like, again, we're kind of going into a territory that maybe we need to put some more definition around. And so I put your HR hat on for me. Let our listeners know, 
why is diversity in the workplace so important? So why are we doing this intentionality thing in the first place? We have to do it because if we are trying to build products and solutions that meet all of our users' needs, then we need a diverse mix of employees on the teams that are building these solutions, right? That means having people from different backgrounds, perspective, experiences. Um, and that actually also means making sure that the people that are on these teams actually feel accepted and included. And I think a lot of that um, is a direct result of how engaged employees are. So when we think about diversity and when we think about inclusion and belonging, there is research that supports the notion that more diverse teams have greater innovation, mm -hmm. have greater outcome, and thus have drive business results. And if that is something that a company is seeking, that is something that a company has to prioritize. I also think about um, the great resignation that's happening right now. This war Break on that talent. Down. Come on. Yes. There is a significant war on talent today. And what we're seeing in the workplace is that employees have decided after going through this global pandemic, they are no longer willing to just work 17 hours a day and do the same thing every day, all day. They're finding new purpose and meaning for their life. And as a result, they're asking themselves, is this the career that I would like to choose? Is this the company that I would like to align myself with? Do I identify with these values? And if the answer to any of those questions is no, people are finding either their way out of that company, they're choosing a different industry, a different job function, or they're going into entrepreneurship and working for themselves. And so as HR professionals, as we think about how to retain the talent that we've so heavily invested in, one of those levers that we need to be thinking about is inclusion. Do the employees that we've invested in so heavily from an employee development perspective, from a training perspective, are we leveraging all of their skills and talents? And if we aren't, then how do we do that? But that goes back to that belonging and that goes back to that inclusion. So when I think about this war on talent and I think about what it takes to attract talent from this new generation, guess what? The first thing they're asking about is your CSR, your corporate social responsibility. What is the company doing to impact the social good? Are there volunteer opportunities? Are we using our financial resources for philanthropic goals and, and to achieve those goals and aspirations? People are also asking about our ESG needs, our environmental goals. Are we trying to reduce our carbon footprint? Like these are new elements that are going into the equation when people are trying to determine what employer they should choose and or if they should stay or go. And so one of the things that I'm starting to think about is how D, E, and I influences all of that. The, the attraction of talent as well as the retention. And you have to put a framework together and be proactive in that, right? Because you're gonna get these hard questions. Uh, there is a war on, on that talent, on your good talent. Uh, somebody else is out there trying to offer them an even better and even more inclusive workplace and they're stealing your talent away. Uh, but you don't want to scramble. Right. And so you don't want to be in a situation where, oh, my gosh, I just looked up and I found out that, you know, our numbers are not what they used to be. And now I can't even really put any strategy around what am I going to do in my hiring? I'm just trying to hire any old talent that comes in the door and we're going to create this revolving door. Right. 
So then talk to us about some of the best practices. So it seems as if, um, uh, if I can glean from a few of the examples you gave a minute ago, this intentionality in hiring is not simply talking about putting those interviews together and who you interview. You were talking about the company's brand. You were talking about our commitment to the community. You were talking about how we make our employees feel as if they belong here. So give us some best practices here. If I'm an organization, if I, if I lead the HR team or if I work in DNI and I'm listening and I really want to put some intentionality in my organization's hiring, what are some best practices? Well, the first thing I would say is you have to understand the data. And I will tell you, having worked for Google for a number of years, um, one of the things that they really stressed is understanding your data, right? So you wanna look at the entire employee life cycle and try to understand where people are dropping out within the hiring process. And sometimes once you examine that data, you will find there are barriers that are unintended, right? And there are biases that are in our processes that we did not even know existed. And so at that point, once you're able to analyze the data, then you can identify the gaps and then come up with the solution. So one of the things that we saw happening a lot was really around the first gate, quite honestly, is where we would not get people, we would get people to apply for our jobs, but they wouldn't get past the recruiter screen. And we were trying to understand why. And what we found were a couple of things. One, there was a language, a key language barrier. So let me give you an example. The words didn't exactly um, equal the same thing for the interviewee or the recruiter. So I could say something like, I built a relationship with the United Negro College Fund to increase um, our pipeline of talent for black students. Or I could say, I went to the UNCF event and had a great time at the ball. And I think sometimes what we didn't understand is that for that person to go to the ball, they had to build the relationship. They actually brought their leadership team with them. They actually had students uh, give testimonials at the event. And by the way, they also hired three of those students as interns. And so they will actually oversimplify their contributions. And so to the recruiter, they're unable to really explain the impact of the work that they did. You know, so it would be, less advantageous for you know uh, an interviewee or a candidate to say um, that I've attended the event and, and more advantageous for them to actually go into the detail of the impact of their work. And so when we have a mismatch in that language, we would see people kind of fall out. And a lot of that was because they haven't been coached or they haven't been um, prepared to interview and use the right terms that will resonate with the recruiter. That was one thing that we were doing. And so when we saw that mismatch, what we did was we actually created champions. We have employee resource groups that have served as a great community builder for a number of historically excluded groups at a number of different companies. And so we said, hey, is it possible for our current employees to work with some of our historically underrepresented can candidates in the pipeline to add in some coaching calls if we see a significant dropout of a specific group within the, in the hiring process. And so just creating those champions and ambassadors really helped us to actually formulate a stronger pipeline of talent and help them move more smoothly or seamlessly through the process. When I think about pulling together hiring panels, I've worked in the tech industry now for some time. And unfortunately, I've, been, uh, I've witnessed a lot of homogenous panels, right? men from the majority group, either white or Asian, as we talk about in the tech space, 
And so now you have a woman of color who comes to the interview process and she's being interviewed by three men, right? Um, who can't really identify with either some of the examples, some of the organizations, or some of the um, stories that she is telling. And so one of the things I have implemented at a number of different companies is this diverse hiring panel, because that diverse hiring panel ensures that there is an opportunity to connect. And that connection is what we talked earlier about when we talk about belonging. Because as a candidate, if you can't see yourself on the other side of the interview panel as a hiring manager or as an employee, you will likely decline to interview or continue with the process. And so I really think that it's important to, to have that diversity there. And, and we're making those decisions in those interviews, both as the interviewer and the interviewee in a matter of minutes. So we're sitting down and, you know, it's tell me about yourself. You can win me or you can lose me in that opening statement there. Because to your point, I mean, with even with the example that you just put together, you start talking about uh, being a member of a black sorority. You start talking about going to an HBCU. You start talking about supporting the United Negro College Fund. And none of that resonates with your interview panel. Then, like you mentioned, we've already got a disconnect. I absolutely agree with you about understanding that data. I can tell you that at my firm, um, I meet with my HR team uh, on a uh, regular basis. And so in that intentionality meeting, uh, we sit and we look at who are our new hires and how are we trending? And so are we doing well uh, with our increases in uh, hiring of persons of color, uh, well in our increases in gender diversity? And what I mean by well is, are we having any increases at all? Uh, because I'm never going to be satisfied. <laughs> so are we having increases there? And if we're not, what can we do to stop and start issue solving? Um, uh, how do we resolve the issue right there? Uh, maybe it's where we're recruiting. Maybe it's those interview panels that you outlined. Maybe it's the interview questions. Maybe we need to stop and take a look at those. Let's look at those evaluations that the interviewers are, are, are writing after the interviews because that can help us to find out where some of the bias is starting to sneak into the process. Um, before we close out though, Sharika, I wanna make sure that we talk about kind of the silver lining. And so what are some of the successes? Uh, what can folks look to as uh, these are gonna be the gains that we realize as an organization once we implement some intentionality in our hiring process? You can actually expect to see greater employee engagement. And I think having increased employee engagement is critical at this moment where so many people are working from home. Um, people are not feeling uh, as connected and they are not having the opportunity to have those water cooler conversations or going to lunch with a colleague or actually traveling as much as they have been in the past with, you know, to client sites and, and the like. And so when I think about increasing inclusion, or removing barriers from the process. Some of the things that we've seen, um, and I'm quite proud of this, in my last role at Google, I was really able to help one of our product areas increase our representation of fe our female representation by about four and a half percent. And let me just say, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is because at the same time that you are analyzing this data, you are trying to increase representation in a specific group, but at the same time, you have to control for attrition. So you have to make sure that everyone that's on board stays on board and or you overhire in a specific group in order to achieve those gains. And so one of the things um, that we've done to do that is really taking a really hard look at the language in our job descriptions. 
And the reason we had to do that is because we recognized that some of that language was just so male dominant and it didn't appeal to women at all. And so the other day I had a conversation with one of our recruiters and I said, uh, Fred, I think we need to add in some of the language about the benefits that we're offering specifically to women and working mothers. He's like, well, why would you do that? I said, because if a man read it, it wouldn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to him. It's not hurting him. But if a woman or uh, or, or a non-binary group member heard this or read this, he or she may say, or they may say, that is an outstanding benefit and give Anaplan another look. A company that they've never heard of that's offering outstanding benefits, they may say, I think I want to learn more about that. So he says, well, don't you think that's kind of being biased? I said, it is. It's being overly biased towards using (laughs) feminine language. And I'm okay with that because we have a gap here. And because we have a gap and we've identified a goal, we have to come up with a solution that will help us meet our goal. And in this case, if shifting the language a bit is going to help us get there, then let's do it. I love it. I love it. You know, uh, you, you clearly articulated how we do have, of course, this war on talent. Uh, and everyone knows the business case for diversity. Uh, we've heard it probably too many times at this point. Uh, we know why diversity is good, but it's not going to happen with companies being passive in their recruiting. Uh, we must have intentionality. And again, not just in that recruitment, but in everything, in the way in which we brand ourselves, the way in which we present ourselves to our candidates, uh, and certainly the, uh, the environment that we put together to ensure that that talent stays with us. Sharika, thank you so much for all of these tips and tools uh, for how we can increase our intentionality in the workplace. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for having me, Lloyd. H-U. You know.